0: You're listening to a podcast from Seminole 2. So today's masterclass is about personal finance and managing financial stress during COVID-19. And for this, we've brought Dr. Frank Maguegwe. What an extraordinary story. If you've been listening to 702 for many years, you will be familiar with the incredible contributor he's been, uh, a great guest over the years, um, and how many audiences and how much audiences have been moved by his journey of having been homeless, having been broke and unemployed to where he is today, to literally building himself one one inch at a time. And now he is Dr. Frank Magwewe, the founder of uh, and managing director of Frankly Speaking that is all about corporate and personal development. They specialize in that and also Thrive Financial Wellness, employee and financial education and wellness specialist. And so uh, today he's going to be sharing um, his insights around financial life planner, um as an educator and as a coach we kind of ha- going to have a coaching session around how we can thrive as individuals and as families and absolutely flourish in life and uh, um and, and not just merely uh, hobble along but to to flourish with the right sort of uh, financial behavior and that is for today's masterclass we invite your calls as always zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two three one seven zero two 31702 for your smss your voice notes and your whatsapps um because This is about addressing any kind of sticky, contentious part um, of uh, financial planning and management of your money.
1: 702
0: Masterclass. And it's a pleasure this afternoon to welcome back to the station, to the show, Dr. Frank Makwekwe. Good afternoon, Frank. Do we have him, Abel? Okay. Then can I hear him, please? <laughs> because our Abel is nodding as we try and work out this uh, virtual world. Is uh, Dr. Frank Magwekwe there? Not quite. Let's try and reestablish that line. Um, and then we'll get our masterclass uh, started. It's a question of muting and unmuting, you know, this virtual landscape that we are living in. Um, and uh, let's try and reestablish that, otherwise get him onto the phone line. So let's take a quick break while we sort out this uh, little issue. Masterclass. Now that niggles have been sorted out, let's get our masterclass started. And with that, good afternoon, Dr. Frank Magwego. Great to have you back on the show.
1: Good afternoon, Azania. It's so awesome to be back on your show. It has been a while, and good afternoon to 702 listeners. Yes, and I understand. We are at the time where. Yeah. No, money is quite central.
0: Yes, very central. We've tried to tackle it from different perspectives in recent weeks. So I'm glad we can expand this conversation with someone uh, who is so well versed in money management, and not just from a professional perspective, but you know, from a personal issue, personal perspective as well. But firstly, congratulations on um, becoming a or on your PhD, on your doctorate. That is just wonderful.
1: Ah, no, thank you. And thank you for your kind words, you know, on your intro before we had a bit of the gremlins. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. It was an interesting journey to get to the PhD. I completed it in uh, March last year. Mm-hmm. It just shows, again, my passion for personal financial
0: planning. Yeah, yeah, because this was also the focus of uh, of the PhD. So correct. Mm, tell us a little bit more about that, the focus that you wanted to. Yeah,
1: So I focused on.
0: Really trying to
1: understand, Azania, what drives financial stress and financial worry. Um, I investigated the fact that sometimes we tend to find people worried either about not having you know enough money to meet their you know, day-to-day expenses or in worried about not having, not saving enough money for uh, retirement, as an example. But what really interested me was that often people do worry But they also don't do much about it. So I wanted to understand why do certain people have high levels of financial worry, but there is no action to address those worries. In other words, I'm concerned I might not have enough money in retirement, but people continue to spend, you know, without putting additional savings for retirement. And some of my findings indicate that, you know, financial literacy or financial education plays a big role in that.
0: How much of it is driven by emotions, you know, emotions like fear um, and just that postponement of addressing uh, this problem?
1: You're quite a bit as well. So one of the findings was certainly around, you know, the role of how anxiety drives savings, for example, retirement savings, finding that people who are just a little bit anxious, I don't know much about finances. If I put it in this unit trust, I I might lose money. I don't trust financial advisors, for example, Mm. you know, people who um, were exhibiting, you know, that sort of financial anxiety tended to also contribute less to their retirement savings. So emotions quite drive that fear as well, uh, you know, drives our financial behavior in general and, and retirement savings. So emotions play quite a big part in our decisions, whether we Spending or whether
0: we are saving Yes, whether we do something about it or not Correct Um, Yeah, and the thing with your story as well I mean, there was a time When we used to hear your voice much more frequently On the platform And many will remember you sharing Just the roads that you've travelled Of having been homeless Of uh, uh, being broke You got got a job And then you got fired from that job (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And then of course Steadily, steadily building to to where you are now um, also allows for an evolution uh, in the relationship with money absolutely in fact yeah you know taking me back
1: to arriving in Joburg in in november of 1992 thinking you know i'm gonna find my fame and fortune i had an address for my aunt got there turned out she couldn't really look after me so after a while I struggled to find a job and um, ended up you know, on the streets for about seven months, from about January 93 to about July. And looking back, there is no doubt, uh, as any that that period of um, struggling with uh, just a sense of meaning in life, not having money, not having you know, enough to eat, really shaped my relationship uh, with money. Uh, often our experiences, such as being unemployed, such as being broke, how we are raised, are there discussions in the family around money, do drive our financial behavior, mm. and often we're not aware. But when we spend time work with um, with financial planners, read a little bit about it, we find that some of our decisions around money are driven by experiences that we had uh, as as young people. Certainly for me, yeah. you know, my drive to save. My drive just to know more about um, managing finances, my drive to want to help others manage money well was, 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 was really um, influenced by my journey of being Rock unemployed and and homeless uh, that long time ago.
0: Mm-hmm. You work with uh, families. You work with individual middle income uh, families and individuals in achieving their goals, working towards achieving their goals. What has this period been like? What have you uh, been able to glean into how people have coped, how people have managed their finances in the past eighteen months or so? What's what's really what characterizes it?
1: It has been quite interesting with our work, with uh, you know families, with employees, or with individuals around this period. It's almost uh, as, in, as if there is two groups of people. What do I mean by that? Generally, when we talk about our experiences of the COVID-19 pandemic, I've come across people who say, yes, challenging, but I'm seeing a silver lining in terms of I got to spend more time with my family, I don't have to drive to work. I don't like being, you know, uh, at work. I enjoy working from home. So you've got people who have experienced the pandemic in that way. Then you've got people who tell you they've lost loved ones. They may have lost their jobs. They are highly stressed about it. So you kind of get um, that uh, that, uh, that sort of response when you listen to how people have experienced the pandemic. We have seen certainly thrive the very same with our clients. So what we have found is, there is a group of people who are managing to save more, in other words, save for retirement or any other financial goals that they have. And that has really been driven more by having limited opportunities to spend as any. Because of the restrictions, people have found themselves entertaining less, eating out less, generally going out uh, less, Uh, You don't have to drive, so you're saving on transport costs and that sort of thing. So if people say, wow, I didn't realize I was spending a lot of money in these categories, I have been able to build some savings. So Mm -hmm. that's one group. The other group, Azania, it's been devastating impact. It has been people who either themselves or their families indirectly, have lost jobs, have been retrenched or they have been need for medical care or they have been a death and therefore you know there's money for thinner and all that. That group of people it's really have been tough for them. They are reporting high levels of just stress, high levels of um, really struggling with finances and of course, when you are struggling a lot with finances, given how central they are mm-hmm. to our lives, it spills to other parts of your life, Azania, relationships to the family, relationship with kids, and just a constant sense of how am I going to get out of this What do I need to do? You are dealing with being phoned by debt collectors, for example, you know, your home may be repossessed or your car may be repossessed. So there's really a group that has taken a lot of of, of strain as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that is the sort of group when we hear and that's by the way, Azania, the majority of South Africans are in that group, struggling with their finances. Hence, recent data shows, for example, Zania, 9 out of 10 South Africans are running out of money one week before payday, mm-hmm. and they are using their credit cards to bridge that gap, to just give you a sense of how financially stressed. South Africans are at the moment.
0: Yes. And what kind of financial plan or how do we approach financial planning under such circumstances where there is so much strain? Um, Because we're dealing with very constrained conditions and competing priorities with very little to work with.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what makes it very, very challenging in that there's no immediate obvious solution you're not going to be able to get additional income to bridge this shortage in terms of uh, what you need to do from a day to day perspective. So, what does one really do under yes. those conditions? Mm. I think there are a few things, Azane. I would like to start with possibly the one that has the biggest impact. What I have seen in my work is that when one is experiencing elevated levels of financial stress, you're getting these calls from credit, um, from debt collectors and you just worried, you don't know, what is it that I must do? The typical thing that consumers do, that most South Africans do, and they shouldn't really do that, but I understand the context in which they do it, is that they stop taking the calls from the bank, from the car financing companies, from the debt collector. You know, they almost are like saying, what's the point? I don't have the money, I don't want to waste even energy. Explaining to these people why I have fallen behind in my payment. That is a big mistake, Azania. I have seen a lot of cases because what happens is you miss your first payment, the bank tries to get hold of you or the financial service provider, you miss your second payment, and they genuinely want to understand how come you are now struggling. Is there a plan that we can put in place? So when a consumer doesn't pick those calls, they ignore, they don't approach the financial service provider to explain the challenges that they are facing with their finances. What happens is they stop calling because you're uncontactable. They hand the case most of the time, what then happens to debt collectors who try to call here and there when they also can't get hold. What ends up happening is that the consumer gets a judgment on their credit report? What is Which a judgment? And it, it worsens they talk about the this, status. Yeah. It worsens Azania. Absolutely. Mm. From that moment of not taking the course, you know, the consumer on this, the man on the street talks about, oh, I got blacklisted. You know, that's what that's the language we use, but the technical term for it is getting a judgment. In other words, there's a black spot on your credit report that is carried by the um by the credit bureaus to show that you have not made plans with a financial service provider because you are struggling. And of course, it then starts a whole other process of trying to get that judgment removed from your credit report, should you in future be able to you know, to, to meet your obligation. So the first message as an is, Please, two listeners, do not ignore those calls. Mm. Financial service providers, they are not in the business of repossessing cars and homes and, and, and blacklisting you. They want to work with you when there is a problem. So be proactive, approach them, tell them that you've got a problem. If those phones are, are coming, pick up those calls and dialogue with them around your challenges. And often they are able to delay or make a plan around deferred payments.
0: Yeah, uh, because if you do have a judgment, it just really also increases the, the levels of financial stress. So it elevates Absolutely. it. It doesn't eliminate them. And if we are going to be uh, rational, more sober-minded in working our way through this time of financial uh, strain, um, where should our starting point be? Yes, we're taking those calls. Um, and we yes. want to, of course, be on a better footing. When we talk about Because um, on a Tuesday, I often, always, I'm a proponent of of, uh, living within your means and, of course, like, downscaling Mm -hmm. the things that are unnecessary or things that uh, you can change in your circumstance, you know. Um, So where do we start then if we really want to manage the stress, bring down the stress and have fewer sources of stress?
1: Correct. So I would say... You know, suppose they're having this 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 challenge you've have, you had, they're being called by debt collectors and that sort of thing, um, and they're taking the calls and you make plans. For me, the second important step, before we, I shared kind of practical steps, what you can do, Azania, is it's very challenging. Financial stress impacts financial health. How does it do that? It impacts it in the following way. I think it's important for me to briefly touch on that. Azania. What happens is, When you are carrying a lot of financial stress, and by the way, research is telling us that 8 out of 10 South Africans are reporting moderate to high levels of financial stress. This is a self-report. Representative sample of South Africans, they are asked, what is your current level of financial stress? Mm. 8 out of 10 are saying it's moderate or it's high. Now, what happens is when you have that level of financial stress, often... It leads you into risky behaviors. What do I mean by risky behavior? Right. It's smoking more, it's drinking more, it's a more sedentary lifestyle where you don't, you know, you don't exercise, you come back from work, you feel, you know, the you just feel the load on your shoulders, you just sit in front of a TV, you are just saving channels, and of course, we know the consequences of that sort of behavior on health. So the point I'm trying to highlight, Azania, is that financial stress is important to be addressed. It's not, I'm working, I'm going every day to work. I'm, in, I can communicate with my family. You know, it's it, it's something that's out there. It has this impact that we don't see. So getting help is very important. And also, I want to reach out to employers to say having mm. programs at the office that help employees managing uh this financial stress it could be employee assistance programs it could be workshop make it safe for people to talk about finances that really helps because of the impact of financial stress not only on health but also on employee engagement and and, and productivity so so getting help is very important as the next step as any so either if you are employed find out from your uh, human resources or from your wellness teams whether they have and most of companies do have that they have um, a company that you could reach out to that can help you think through help you prioritize your finances and essentially help you on what exactly can you do given the context so getting help we know finances are a taboo topic mm. so often by the time people get to me as when they want the help often they are either, in debt review or the uh blacklisted, to use the common main language, or a car has been repossessed, there is often little that you can do because they come to us, financial planners and financial coaches, you know, as a matter of last resort because of the taboo associated with talking about finances. So reaching out for help early is very important. Yeah. And second element are around that, Azania, is also just acknowledging, you know, I'm big on... Um, just sitting down and connecting with your emotions. This is very hard for me now. I know this is what happened. This is what led me to this you know, problem that I'm facing. Mm. Almost like accepting the problem. Because often I also find families and consumers I work with, they blame themselves for past financial behaviors. Yeah. As I mean. That is not going to change the situation. They carry a lot of regret. Only if I had not bought this car. Mm-hmm. Only if I haven't done this. And can you imagine the level of financial stress and you are adding regret on it? So I'm a big proponent on self-care, on, on, on kindness, self-compassion. Mm. This is where I find myself. Let me not blame myself. Let me go out and seek help.
0: Yes, and inadvertently, that also helps you to uh, know or recognize your patterns, know your behavior that I know uh, I blame myself for buying X, but I did that because I was feel or this had happened. So you can see the pattern that when things like this happen, when I start to feel this way, I tend to use my money. In this way, I tend to be irresponsible with it. I tend to abuse my money. I tend to want to spend. So uh, that point about reflection, I think, is a really powerful one because uh, we're able to even identify and know more about ourselves and what we tend to do under times of stress. And as I listen to you, uh, Frank, the idea of what COVID nineteen has done is that. Um, it's also allowed more of us to talk freely and openly because we know that we're not alone. And there's this big reason that is affecting all of us. There's this big reason um, that is affecting the majority of people as you've been giving us the figures. So it's okay. It's made it a little bit more uh, less... Uh, difficult to maybe less shameful to be able to step forward and say, uh, put my hand up and say, it's happening to me too, and it's because we're now a single-income household, or I've had to take uh, a lesser pay because the organisation can't pay me more. So more of us are in the same boat, and therefore. Uh, it's easier to to be among and feel that you can address this uh, opening. So it's an it's, it's an uh, unintended gift. Uh, I, I would like to think, if I'm to be optimistic and look on the upside of things. But let's bring you headlines. We're going to continue this masterclass about personal finances and managing financial stress. The financial stress that's been brought on by COVID nineteen. Seven o two masterclass. And we're back with our masterclass on personal finance and managing finance financial stress because COVID-19 has really made things difficult for many families. And we're speaking to Dr. Frank Maguegue, who uh, completed, this was an area of focus. He uh, took a closer look and put this issue under the microscope as part of uh, pursuing his uh, financial, uh, personal uh, financial planning doctorate and his dissertation was really around financial strain and worry about retirement income uh, inadequacy and uh, today is really a story about managing financial stress. Here's a voice note um, and you're welcome to give us a call on zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two around how you're dealing with uh, financial with managing that financial stress.
2: Hi, Azania and Dr. Mokwekwe, the powerful show as always. My name is Andrew. Yes, I just want to contribute on the issue of, uh, you know, the impact of COVID, especially on finances. And you now it's sad to see that uh, professionals are losing their lives and some are leaving children behind. The sad reality is that we cannot pass our qualifications as an inheritance to our children, and most of the middle-class people have taken debts that needs to be serviced. That to such extent that some would not be able to leave that good money for their families, you know. And it it, it is just a challenges. My advice is that people should uh, start, uh, you know learning about business and also empowering their children to have their own means of making income. Uh, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you for that input. And you're welcome to send in your thoughts as well on that WhatsApp line, 72 702 um, Frank, I was f- just wondering about how one returns to positivity, you know, because so much of our emotions are tied to money and yet we need... Yes. Uh, our ability to be uh, positive, in order to get us through what is going to be small steps, small progressive steps. So, how can we cultivate that? How how uh, how do we uh, uh, remain as positive as possible?
1: I think you are taking us uh, as Ania to just where we ended before uh, we took the the the, the, the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, you know that need to get help, often what happens is financial planners, financial coaches, and and, and and us generous people, we don't often appreciate that financial stress just doesn't touch your finances only because money is central to our lives. It touches our happiness. It touches our well-being. It touches our relationships. It touches how we show up at work. And therefore, Azania, it's so important that when one is feeling these elevated high levels of stress, that this seeking help, I was just thinking during the break that, for example, someone can approach the South African, uh, the South African depression and anxiety group, SEDEC, because high financial stress, Azania, is often associated with depression.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so getting help from a professional to just help you think through, it could be bigger than just finances, is very important. Mm-hmm. Instead of just getting advice that says, you know, budget, you know, track your expenses yes. and, and those sort of general advice that you get. When you are constantly thinking about finances, you have this tunnel vision. You can't sleep. You're worried. you afraid that your car might be repossessed, your home you might be homeless. That extent needs help. And I'm just thinking of an organization that came quickly to mind mm, so that I would mm. be able to, you know, to help and and and, and 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 really help with healthy coping habits. So the, the help part is quite important. Let me also right. say, if I come to the, to the happiness part, let me also say, uh, Azania, that the challenge of financial stress, in my experience and the research that I have done. It needs a systems approach. What do I mean by that? Ah. We should not make people feel guilty, particularly given the pandemic, for having high financial stress, for not being able to meet their obligations, for ultimately not having enough money. We shouldn't make people feel guilty because we are going through a huge challenge in our human life. So employers, for me, as know, play a critical role in terms of, for example, we're now hearing the National Treasury saying maybe plans should be made for people who are really going through problems mm-hmm. to access some of their retirement mm-hmm. savings, for example. Mm-hmm. That's a solution. Instead of just telling people to, to save or to budget, we need a system that says, what can I do with the money that i had saved for my pension? Even other things that employers used to do, unfortunately employers stopped doing it as an because of the new National Credit Act. Employers used to extend um, loans to employees to just help bridge the gap, because that's no longer possible. My research also shows that most people make it worse because when that money is not enough, they go to um, pay their lenders. So you get this loan, pay day comes, they take their money and they are back to square yeah. one. So I urge employers also say, what can they do? How can they help employees? But employees and consumers in general also going out there, you know, to seek help from the likes of said How do we remain positive? I think the critical part for me as Ania, and it might sounds like I mean really having this guy on the radio is gonna tell us about self compassion. It's going to tell us about mm-hmm. self care. Mm-hmm. I really think it makes a difference. I've been there as a many many years ago, 2000, 1998, between nineteen ninety eight and two thousand three, when I was just starting out. You know, ex- helping extended family. I found myself in a in a lot of debt. I was blacklisted. I know what it means to use a machine. I've done it it myself. So I know the stress that you carry. Fast forward now with my studies, I can certainly tell you that speaking to yourself kindly, not being harsh to yourself given the financial circumstances you find yourself, Mm -hmm. trying not to hold on to what did I do? I was stupid. Look where I am now. You know, that whole issue of regret, that self-kindness, self-compassion really goes a long way Combined with getting professional help or getting help from from an employee, from an employer. Practical steps, Azania, I think it's quite important to understand exactly where you are with your finance. So my first practical step would be, please get your credit report. We've got a wonderful National Credit Act in South Africa that says every consumer, once a year, you can get a free credit report from the big four credit bureaus. Please do that. Often people tell me they don't want to do it. You know why they say that as a meal? But hey, it's
0: yeah, it's just finding out the truth. (laughs) We don't want to go down. Yes. Mm. And you know,
1: I then respond and say, but guys, if you're going to solve a problem, most you also need to be brutally honest about where you are. Yeah. Accept your circumstances, but then say say to yourself, this is not an insurmountable problem. I'm going to get help. And you look into your life story. And not necessarily finances as any, so you, you spoke earlier. how do we build positivity? How do we build optimism? So let's take a practical example mm. to, to really make our listeners understand the point I'm making here. So you get your credit report. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, you have been nice by a financial coach and financial counselor, or you, you you just want to know, right. And it's bad for all these months that you are behind the score is so low. The first thing to do, accept your emotions. If it's me, I cry often when things are a little bit tough. And there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you, you are connecting with your emotions, right? Mm. So you feel sad. You, you, maybe you cry. Maybe you talk to a friend. These are positive uh, coping strategies, right? Then you say, okay, this is where I am. What can I do about it? Building hope and optimism means sometimes going back and just saying to yourself, man, but I've overcome other obstacles in life. That's one trick as I any. Mean. Right. Going into your life story. So I often go back and just say, things can be bad, but hey, before, it cannot be as bad as being homeless. Mm-hmm. I will overcome this problem. That's mm-hmm. my journey. That's my own story. I was once retrained. I often go back it's and serious, say, hey, yeah. I was once retrained. This is how I dealt with it. That's one way of building optimism and positivity. Another one, Azania, it's so fascinating. I've done a lot of work on this one. It says the following. And I often ask uh, 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 people or families to say, it's twenty twenty one now let's add two years we are in 2023 all your financial stress is gone Mm. right Mm -hmm. all your financial problems are gone what will be happening then and you know what i hear more time with myself spending time with my family Mm -hmm. traveling having a nice emergency savings fund investing in a unit trust my hobbies you know, people are able to transport themselves as any from today to two, three it's years out, right? they want, yeah. And they're so excited when they share that. Then I say to them, "Okay, please let's come back. We hear we've got these problems. That picture that you painted. What can we do today to get there? And because there's this amazing, attractive picture two years from now that I imagine if I overcame this problem, I hear people saying, maybe I could eat out a little bit." Maybe I could cut here. Maybe I could do, you know, people become very creative yeah. because there's an exciting future that they had painted for themselves. Right. So going back into the future to build resilience, I uh, saw going back into the past to build resilience and say, I can do it. Very important after getting that credit report, for example, and going into the future and painting a nice picture that's attractive, which helps you to change behavior mm. and Make your way towards there. Mm. So that's optimism and positivity.
0: Yes. Oh, I think that's such a good exercise to do because then you have a drive, you have something to work towards. You know that you have decided on, that you have visualized and established for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's hear from Peter in Pretoria. Hi, Peter. Uh, Alanya, how are you? I'm well. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I just want to comment on the topic. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So what I just want to encourage people, not necessarily I'm advising, because I know in law to give financial advice, you must be registered to do so. So but I'm saying, based on my own experience, is that it's important to note that the fact that, for instance, a bank qualifies you for a loan doesn't mean that you can afford you take to... take it. Yeah.
0: Loan. Or you're offered a so credit card. doesn't mean you should take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: You can qualify, but it doesn't mean you can afford. Yeah. So people must be mindful of that. And two... I think it's also important that you don't leave your income. For instance, if you get increases and you start upgrading your lifestyle. I once did that, mm-hmm. you know, I think mm-hmm. in my early years, but I've learned I'm in my forties now. Yeah. And I was fortunate that I managed to get myself out of my debts. Right now, I can tell you I managed to grow my income, but my lifestyle is so mm-hmm. minimal that I make sure that I save a huge chunk of my income. Mm. And people would ask me, why are you
0: still staying in this place? Oh, why haven't you changed yeah. your car? And you think, yeah. but <laughs> why? Why should I? Hey. Mm. I am so grateful that this happened to me in
3: my early and I recovered. Yeah. And then now I'm so like, I'm not even moved. My neighbors are building double stories. To me, not that I'm, uh, to me, I'm like, okay, mm. what legacy are you guys are living for your kids. I mean, looking at the future now in SA. I'm actually worried that if you don't do something for your kids, the double story won't be recognized in the next 10, 15 years.
0: Absolutely. Great call, Peter. Really wonderful call. Thank you. Living within your means, working towards living within your means. And it raises the question about what is enough? Because you keep upgrading the car. You keep upgrading it. To what end? What is enough? Because... It's, yeah, it's, it's, it serves that function, but you just want an even better and better and better one. To what end? Uh, By C, in four ways, good afternoon. Good afternoon,
3: Azania. Uh, you know what? This is a very, very important topic that you guys are handling today. Mm-hmm. Currently, a lot of people have registered with debt counseling, and it has made things worse for them. The debt counseling companies are not paying over the creditors, and what the creditors are doing are calling these, 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 these their, their clients. And their clients are so frustrated. I don't know how one can assist these members because now they've been putting, you know, from one pillar to post by, by these uh, debt counselling companies. I don't know your guest how does the, how does he deal with these kind of things because I'm a financial advisor. Mm. By the time they
0: come to me it's difficult for me to assist because you, you know when you're on debt counselling It's in somebody that, else's hands, yes. Yes, mm. there's nothing that you can assist them to say you cannot you should go out. Yeah. You're in
3: you have to go through that process. It has serious, serious problem
0: I really want to have the contact details of your of your guests so that we can see how these people can be assisted. Mm-hmm. Basi that's such a powerful point that you make so what is your approach just uh, as a means of sharing thought and sharing notes Frank to uh, Basi as a financial advisor herself how do you deal uh, with this issue because sometimes people come to you when they've already entered into the process. Yes, and what a lovely conversation Mm. and contribution
1: to the show. Basile has just raised one of the big challenges that that we have in, in, in our financial services system currently. And in fact, um, as I would like to link it to Peter's point as well. Mm-hmm. So remember, I said earlier that, you know, this whole thing is a, it, we really need to look at financial stress and indebtedness systematically instead of just blaming the consumer. The employer plays a role. Financial services company plays a role. Uh, companies have a role to play. So Peter says, for example, the fact that you qualify for a loan doesn't mean you must get it. That's so important for consumers to understand that. Um, banks are in the business of making money by giving you loans. Uh, if you no longer are able to pay, you know they are going to take steps to try to get their money. So you mustn't be misled by an SMS that says you qualify and you get that loan. That is so powerful. What happens when you get that loan and things uh, don't go well? That's what the point is making Azania. Is that often you fall behind, and at the end of the day you realize that the situation is so bad. That you'd like to go into a formal system recognized by our National Credit Act called debt review or sometimes called debt cancelling. Effectively, it means I need someone on my behalf called the debt Mm canceller to negotiate with all my creditors because I can no longer meet my obligations. And of course, there's no free lunch in this world. The fact that you are saying you are no longer able to meet your obligations, you're the one who who, who took out those loans. What then happens, according to the National Credit Act, is you meet the criteria, you enter debt review, it's flagged on the system. So all credit bureaus, all financial service providers, will then know that you are now in debt review so that you don't take additional loans. And you can only exit that process of debt review Uh, once you've paid off all your creditors. There are some challenges in the system. And here's one that I would like to highlight that Basti was talking about. Often, Azania, when you have high levels of financial stress, I said earlier on, it it leads to risky behaviors. The other thing that it leads to is what is often called tunnel vision. You're so obsessed by just wanting to get out of this debt. Now, picture yourself, Azania, in that state Debt collectors are calling, you may lose your car, relationship at home is not okay because of financial stress. Then you get this call and somebody says to you, are you struggling with debt? Mm-hmm. I can help you get out of debt. Mm-hmm. Please send me a copy of your ID and complete the form. Mm-hmm. Right? And what happens? People do it immediately. And they are fraudulent um, debt-canceling companies out there. In fact, two weeks ago, I actually had a session with the National Credit uh, Regulator about it where they trick you into sending your um, copy of ID, you complete the form, you don't read the fine print, you think they're going to work magic and reduce your debt by 40 to 50% as they claim, little do you know, they are putting you in debt review. Why do they do that? They do that, these fraudulent, you know, like in any industry, as I know, there's some bad apples, yeah, right? Yeah, so they operators. do this, mm. bad operators, they do this because they want to earn this once-off fee that, is part of the debt cancelling process. Then they become not contactable after that. Hmm. It's a huge industry. it's a huge problem in, in, in the industry, with bad debt um uh, uh I fled it in my meeting two weeks or so ago. We've had calls in fact
0: in our consumer segment on Thursdays. We've actually had uh, calls that reflected that experience. Mm. And of
1: course, Azania, what do I say about that? I'd say seven or two listeners, anybody else, please irrespective of how stressful are the finances. The last thing you can do is to sign something without reading the fine print. Anyone who promised to reduce your debt by 50%, that is a big number. What you need to do, you must ask them, how do you do it? Mm. Are you doing debt consolidation for me? which is getting a big loan, you know, to pay off small loans. Yeah. Or are you doing debt review? They say debt review and you don't want to be in debt review. Then you must run away. Mm. So please mm. do not get into contracts that are difficult to get out, such as debt cancelling, being lured by this idea of, you know, we'll reduce your debt by 50%. So as often as we say in many contracts, right, Azania, read the fine print
0: and i think the other thing is that the 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 value of the lesson gets lost the value of the lessons that you could be and the resilience and the strength that you could have had an opportunity to build in yourself by correcting these matters yourself or with the help correct. of the correct expert then are completely lost because there is a, you set a goal, you work towards that goal. There's a sense of pride Correct. and accomplishment at the end of attaining that goal. So um, to have a, you know to to enter into something that compounds the stress, that removes your agency and your power, um, can also shortchange or remove uh, the lesson that you could have learned uh, as part of managing and correcting your financial uh, problems. Uh, but not to say that it's the the, the process doesn't have a place it does have a place when done correctly and if you are going to do this uh, and you want the lessons you want to um, work towards a goal yourself have a sense of pride at the end of it and there is support another kind of support uh, that that you can look for but frank we we're out of time and i think it's important that maybe in future when an opportunity affords that we look at other aspects of managing this financial stress we do bite at this issue from different absolutely. perspectives and I think especially as I know mean, mm, if we
1: zero in maybe mm, only on around debt debt management debt cancelling because there's a lot of issues around that that would be awesome absolutely. it was wonderful to be on your show I am passionate about this topic yes. thank you for putting okay. this on the agenda given the impact of the pandemic on people's finances.
0: Absolutely. That's Dr. Frank Magwegue.